standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the first chapter of the gospel of John. If you'd like to follow along, we'll begin with verse 35. We're picking up really right after where we continued last week when Don Ferguson led us so well. And the scripture says that the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. As he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. Two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, translated Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. The word of God for us, the people of God. <laughs> you may be seated. As I was making my rounds this morning, Don LaRocco asked me if I was going to try to preach today. If I would have been quicker and had more coffee, I would have said, come and see. But I'm one of these people, maybe you know people like me that... Um, that the people at Barnes & Noble love me because I'm one of the people who keeps them in business. I'm, I have sort of a stack of books in several places in my house. When we have company coming over, one of the things that Aaron and I have to do is to, is to take all the stacks of books in the house and put them in one place, generally out of sight downstairs. And so one of the books I have been reading right now over the last... Uh, couple days is a, is a book, it's called Pilgrimage of a Soul, and it tells sort of the story of a, of, of a woman coming to faith and coming to realize that some of the things that she thought Christianity was about, maybe that she had been taught that Christianity was about, was not what God had revealed to her. And in this book, in, the, in, in one of the opening chapters of the book, she has this great line that are so appropriate for us this morning and so appropriate really as we think about uh, who Jesus is calling us to be in 2018, particularly in this first chapter of John. And she says that pilgrimage is not a round trip. 
pilgrimage is not a round trip. That faith is not a round trip about going back to where you were before you met Jesus. That faith is not about sort of staying in the same place and returning to where you started. That God wants to take us somewhere. That faith is about following Jesus from where we first started to where Jesus wants to take us. It's what the Bible will call abundant life. That life that truly is life. And so today as we sort of continue to dive in to the first chapter of John's Gospel, we're going to think about, one of the things I want us to think about together is, where is God inviting us to go? Where is God inviting you to go in 2018? Because God doesn't want you to be in the same place in your life of faith at the end of 2018 that you are now. I hope you will be in the same physical location, amen, but just making that clear. But so as we dive into John's Gospel, one of the things that Don Ferguson reminded us of last week, and I want to highlight us for us again, is that John is interested in telling a different kind of story. John is telling us a different kind of story. That Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what are, who are often called the synoptic gospels, they sort of give us a play-by-play -play of Jesus' life and ministry. They're really interested in what happened. John is less interested in what happened than what it means. You remember there's no account of the birth of Jesus really in John's gospel that John begins with a prologue, those first 18 verses that are really about what does this mean? Because that's what John wants us to get, is what does Jesus' birth, the fact that God has come to be with us in Jesus Christ, what does that mean for our life? What does that mean for the life of the world? What does that tell us about God? And how John begins his gospel is to tell us that Jesus is no ordinary guy. That Jesus is more than the son of Mary and Joseph. Jesus is more than a good teacher. Jesus is more even than a prophet. That in Jesus, God has come into our world. That in Jesus, God has moved into our neighborhood. That in Jesus, the fullness of God dwells with us in our lives. I think there's no mistake that in the first chapter of John, twice we hear John the Baptist say that here is the Lamb of God, that Jesus is the Lamb of God, that God has come to be with us to forgive us of our sins and to make new life possible, and that Jesus is one worth following. And so as we get to our passage today, we, we find really two parallel stories. They're two stories that are really the same. One of the things that we have often missed, I think, in understanding the gospel and the story is, is this, this really interesting detail. That John the Baptist actually had disciples of his own. That John had disciples of his own who had come to be around him, to pay attention, to learn from him about what God was up to. That John was a teacher um, of some repute, and so people had come to learn from John the Baptist. And so when John says, pointing to Jesus, here is the Lamb of God, his disciples leave to go, to go check out what Jesus is up to. It's part of that message that John says, I must decrease and he must increase, that my 
that my job is to point people to him, but now that he is here, that's who you want to spend your time with. And so two of his disciples go, and, they, and they're interested in what Jesus is up to. And so when Jesus is walking by, those disciples, they go and they follow him and they, they, they ask him this really interesting question. Where are you staying? It's an interesting question. Where are you staying? Because I think what's behind that question is, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? Are you passing through? Are you going to be around? What's your life going to be about? What's my life going to be about if I follow you? Where are you staying? What is going to be the characteristic of my life if I'm with you. I think what they're really asking is, what is your mission as one from God? What are the details of my life going to be if I spend my time with you? I just want to know what you're up to. And I love the response of Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. You all have heard me before say that I think this is one of the great lessons for us in evangelism in America in 2018. I think it's one of the great models for us to think about sharing our faith. You know that Jesus doesn't say, well, I am the guy and you just need to trust that I am the guy and you need to listen to what I'm about to say. You know, Jesus doesn't spend any time sort of bad-mouthing other teachers and saying, you may you know, you don't want to pay attention to them anymore. He doesn't say, well, they're just conservative, crazy people over here, and they're like liberal snowflakes over here. Like, this is, you want to pay attention to me. Jesus says, come and see. Come spend some time with me. Come hang out. Come, come check this out and see if it's worth your time. He doesn't really promise anything. He just says, come and check it out. Come and see. I wonder if there are people in your life, in my life, that maybe are looking for, for a renewed connection with church and faith and God this year, that maybe that's a way for us. Say, well, let me tell you about my church. Come and check it out. See what you think. Hang out with us. We're not too scary most of the time. But in this call story, there are two are parallel stories that Jesus draws people to himself and he draws people in such a way that they can't help but invite other people do you notice in both of those stories someone goes and gets someone one of their friends and say this is the one we've been waiting for that this is the one that we've hoped for. This is the one that we've waited for. This is the one that we've longed for. All the ways we've looked, all the ways we've searched, all the ways that we've chased, and our life has become hectic and frazzled because we've been really waiting for this one thing and one person to give us life. It's now here. Hope has a face. Our dreams we have found in a person. So come and see. Come and check this out. There's so many ways we could dive in this morning, but I really think where God uh, might have a word for us this morning is, it, is one of the last lines of this passage. I, I, I was sharing this with some other folks this week. One of the things I'm really interested out in this passage is that the person who is most skeptical learns the most about Jesus. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's a question that if Jesus is the real thing, why does he come from Nazareth? That's a backwater town that nobody pays attention to. 
Can it really be from there? And Jesus tells Nathaniel more about himself and more about God than he does anyone else in the story. But he says, why are you so amazed at what I told you? He says, there will be greater things that you will see than this. That you will see greater things than this. And that's really the promise of faith, isn't it? That there's more to life than what we've experienced. And so many of us can look back on our lives and, and, and sort of pinpoint that moment where we came to faith, where we said yes to God, where we said, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. And we can talk about it. I think part of the ways that we're shaped and formed in faith, sort of growing up in what I would call the evangelical South, is we're very comfortable talking about that for folks at the moment of conversion, right? But you notice in this passage, Nathaniel's already made a profession of faith. He's already told Jesus that you are the king of Israel. He's already said, I know that you are from God. Jesus says that if you will continue to follow me, you will experience greater things than this. If you'll continue to follow me, I will show you a way of life that you've never experienced before. If you'll continue to pay attention and listen to me and to learn from me and to be in my presence, that there will be part, there will be life that you have never had access to that you will experience, that you are going to experience greater things than you have ever seen before. And I think that for so many of us, sometimes we almost sleepwalk through faith. That sometimes we come to a point in life that we're pretty settled, that we're pretty comfortable. Maybe, maybe church is a nice thing we do every once in a while, but we're not going to make it a priority to be here every week. That maybe there are parts of our prayer life that maybe there was a time in our life that we were really into, but we've sort of let that go. That maybe church is just, and faith is just part of our lives and not the center of our lives that, that changes everything else. And I think what this scripture sort of calls us to, not sort of, does call us to, is that faith is about awakening. It's about paying attention. It's about trusting the words of Jesus, that he is worth following. And that if we will follow him, we will experience more of life than we've ever had before. That if we will pay attention, that we will experience grace in ways that we long for, even if we can't even name it yet. I think for us in 2018, the question for us is, are we willing to stay close enough to Jesus to experience the greater things that he wants to give us? And sometimes I think we think, well, that would be great, Daniel, if I had your job where I was at the church every day. That would be great if I didn't have this going on in my life. This would be great. I didn't have all these challenges, if, if my kid wasn't sick all the time, or if, if life was easy. I want to tell you a story about someone who told me that I had to get rid of my excuses, because I'm pretty good at making them. As a young pastor, not, not out of seminary that long, and I got a call at the church that there was... Um, that there was a man, an elderly man, he had gotten a really bad diagnosis, and it was, it was terminal, and 
the news wasn't good and it wasn't going to get any better. We all know people in those situations. We all can remember many of you have walked with your husband or your wife or your mom or, or your grandfather through these situations. And I asked if the family called and asked if I would go visit the man. And I said, well, yeah, of course, I'll go visit, be honored to. And so I, 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 went, in, I went in the house and, and, and sat down. And, and at this point, he could, uh, his mind had been ravaged so much by the disease that he couldn't even speak anymore. And so, and so his granddaughter was there and his daughter was there and, and I asked how, I, how the church could help, how we could pray with them and support them. And, and, and the daughter said, well, I just want you to know this. She said, for all of his life, the first thing he did every morning was read the upper room. Many of you are grounded by that spiritual practice. She said, but he can't read it anymore. But every morning we come over here and we read it to him. Because he will not allow us to not. That in the worst moment of his life, he was still following Jesus. In the worst moment of his life, he was still staying close to Jesus. No matter what the obstacles he was facing, together the family was going to stay close to Jesus. Because he knew there were greater things that God wanted to show him. There was more wisdom that God wanted to give him. There was hope and faith and life with Jesus and he wasn't going to let the disease stop him from experiencing the great things that God wanted to give him. My friends, there's not a single person in this room, certainly myself included, who have arrived in our faith and our connection to Jesus. There's not a single person in this room who don't have somewhere to go to stay closer to Jesus. There's not a single person in this room who can't grow in faith in some way in 2018. And so I think one of the questions for us this morning is, how are we going to do that as individuals? How are we going to make a plan to do that together? Maybe for some of you it might be that you're going to commit to be part of Sunday nights. That we have Bible studies and prayer groups and all sorts of things going on. It may be that for some of you, you're going to make an effort to be at open table and to learn about what it means to love our neighbor as we sort of, that's our focus through Easter. Some of you know this, we got a generous donation of Financial Peace University kits at the church right before Christmas. And so we're really uh, looking at how we can offer that to folks, that might be something that you want to work on this year. And so the church can be a place to really help you do that. If you're interested, I'd love to hear from you about that. I actually invite you to pray. We have a meeting with one of our school partners this week about offering that to parents of kids at the school. It might be that instead of checking your phone for 10 minutes when you get up in the morning, and this is a real challenge for me, that you might read your Bible for 10 minutes instead of learning the latest news. It might be that you spend five minutes of silence at lunch in prayer. All sorts of ways that we can be with Jesus. But God wants us to follow, to come and see, to experience the greater things than we've experienced to this point. 
You know, one of the great prayer traditions in the United Methodist Church that we've really, I think, let go a little bit the last several years is the, is the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. It's this insert in your bulletin. I'm going to invite you to, to pull it out. The prayer often is, is, really began as part of what was called the Wesleyan Covenant Service to sort of begin the year, committing to God in faith. And it's a hard prayer, you'll notice. It's not easy. Um, it's not an easy prayer to pray, but I really believe that if, we, that if we pray this regularly, it'll change us. It'll be one of these ways that we can stay close to Jesus in the coming year. You'll see a description of it on the back um, and, and then the prayer on the front side of your insert. One of the things I might invite us to do is, is once a week, maybe once a month, maybe every day, whatever feels uh, helpful for you, you might pray this as a regular part of your practice of faith in 2018. You might keep it, you know, uh, on your refrigerator. You might keep it in your car. Um, and, and, and so, but we're going to begin the year by praying this prayer together. And I want to invite you to pray it regularly if this feels helpful for you this year. So let us pray together. I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing put me to suffering, let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.